Howdy. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Ja, danke. And welcome to another episode. I think. Sorry to my German listeners. Welcome to, but I don't want to be a secondary character for another episode. It is a podcast about the Seinfeld secondary characters. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. Yes, and we're on Skype again, Skyping for our third episode of season two. And uh, boy, it's been a pretty good experiment, Stephen. I thought it was going to be, uh, you know. First week we'd do it and we thought, oh, it's going to probably be pretty average. And no, we, we've, we've kind of stuck with it. It's pretty good. Yeah. There's been no technical issues, which has been great. I thought it would sound really bad uh, and we'd have to abandon it or find <laughs> another solution. But yeah, it's uh, it's been good. Yeah. No, no, I thought we'd had to drop the podcast entirely. But then uh, all our listeners would say, hey, where's Bidwabask? No. Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't want That'd that. That'd be right. It's... Yeah. No, we don't want to do that to people. <laughs> we, lo- we love you no, too much, no. listeners. Yeah, there's enough shitty things in the world. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want to subjugate the world to that. No, we sure don't. <laughs> and so last week was a "What's the Deal with" episode, which was very well received. Actually, yeah, it was about Newman. So every fifth episode, we spoke about or we speak about a one secondary character. This week, we're back to our regular programming. We're talking about secondary characters from an episode of Seinfeld. We're heading to season two today, uh, episode yeah. ten, "The Baby Shower." Yeah, great episode. One of my favourites, and I'll no doubt say that. Over and over again. Yeah, you sure oh, will. Right. You love you love that one heaps. I actually watched it a couple of times during the week, and uh, well, last week or rather. And uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't think it was too bad actually. It was it was it was different. A very very simple story, but uh, you know, you, you know, obviously season two they were still trying to find their feet, and they there's a few classic episodes in season two, and I think with the baby shower it was uh, it was alright. Yeah, it 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 had a few what I thought were classic lines in there uh, where Jerry finally agrees to get cable. And uh, yeah. Kramer, oh, Jerry's going to be a cable cable boy, cable boy, cable boy. And I love in the dream, I love in the dream sequence where he gets, you know, Jerry gets shot, and then yeah. Kramer goes up to him and goes, "What have you done with my cable boy?" And he shakes. What have you done like, to my cable boy? Yeah. Cable, cable boy, cable boy, cable boy, cable boy. Yeah, cable boy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably the best line. Yeah, I don't think that line has uh, reached uh, popular lexicon, like say, uh, you know. Um, uh, my mind's gone blank. Uh, yada yada. Uh, yada 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 yada. Shrinkage. No city. No city. Things like that. Things like that. But definitely, it's well known uh, in Seinfeld fandom. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a good one. Yeah, no. Look for this one for season two. I think it was probably one of the better episodes. Uh, not the best. Okay. You know, there's obviously a couple more in season two that I enjoyed more. But uh, no, the baby shower was 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 all right. Was too bad. Yeah, I, I I hold it in high regard. I'd probably call it uh, the best episode of season two for me. Oh wow! And you're going to say that throughout the entire Bidwell Basket episode today, like you said. <laughs> you're just going to keep Probably. repeating it. Nice. Keep cropping it up. Keep cropping it up. Exactly. So, Stephen, how many Seinfeld news segments do you have today? Uh, well, before we get into that, I just wanted to mention if you uh, wanted to get in touch with us, we oh. have a email address. We do. Yes. <laughs> Baskpodcast at gmail dot com. Yes. Um, you can get us on social media at Bidwabask. And we have a website too, bidwabask.com. So if you've got any feedback, good or bad, let us know. Um, you can also get at us on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And uh, if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I forgot about all that housekeeping. Sorry about that. And in case you're a first... A- yeah, that's all right. And in case you're a first-time listener, it's B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. So basically the acronym for our show, but I don't want to be a secondary character. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that acronym, even though Bidwabask is not a word, you can <laughs> say it relatively easy. Yeah, and, and even people that email us and leave us comments and Instagram and stuff, they're all like, hey, Bidwabask, that was a good episode. Yeah. Let's call us Bidwabask. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I think, I think it's slightly catching on, which is nice. I think it is too. It's going well. All right, buddy, here we go. Seinfeld News. Okay, in this week's edition of Seinfeld News, we've got three things to talk about. Um, the first one is a continuation from last week. Um, as a lot of listeners would know, uh, Jerry has continued his uh, very high-profile Australian tour. He sure has. Yeah, so he started off in Adelaide and Melbourne to really, really awesome reviews. We talked a bit about it last week uh, in our Newman episode, so go back and have a listen if you want to uh, see how we went there. Uh, through the week, and this is the week ending Monday, uh, August 14, that's when we record. We're recording, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. 
Uh, Jerry played shows in Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, and Auckland. Uh, yeah. I went through um, some reviews. All of them were really good. Yeah. Um, all of them were basically saying, you know, he's a master. He's firing on all cylinders. Mm. He's just, uh, you know, he's at the top of his game. Even for someone who doesn't perform stand-up that regularly, he's still just a complete and other class act. Yeah, and a couple of my cousins, um, they're from the Gold Coast, they actually went to the Brisbane show for Jerry, and they loved it. They said it was fantastic. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, he's got a lot of credit, a lot, lot of lot of good reviews. Yeah, one one Auckland review actually, the headline was "He's still the master of his domain," <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which made me chuckle. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, no contest, huh? <laughs> no contest. He would win. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. And if you're listening, Jerry, if you finally got around to listening to us, we love you. And uh, yeah, hopefully one day we get the pleasure of uh, of chatting to you. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Shame we missed you That'd this be... time, but uh, maybe next time. Maybe make the tickets a bit cheaper next time. Maybe. That's all right. Um, maybe. Hey, maybe we'll get free tickets next time when we become a huge, huge podcast. You yeah. never know. That's it. We'll, we'll sponsor it. That's it. Yeah, so when Jerry was in Melbourne uh, last week, uh, again, I talked about... Um, sorry, it was the week before uh, yep. the episode uh, one of season two, uh, The Hamptons. That's it. Um, a well-known Melbourne street, art- street artist called Lush Six. And in June, I believe it was, he painted a mural depicting the Kesha snub that lit the internet up. Yeah, which we which we always talk about and we love. We think it's it's just fantastic, you know. Like a, like an older guy like Jerry, he doesn't know who the latest pop singers and stuff. You know, he thought it was Kesha yep. was some kind of stalker and thought, "Who the hell are you?" And uh, can I have a hug? No, thank you. Come on, no thanks. It's great. It was wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's going to be one of those pop culture moments that will, you know, be around for a long time. It kind of reminds me in a way of the uh, Janet Jackson nip slip that yeah. happened, you know, at the Super Bowl in 2003 or the 4, war- I think it was. wardrobe malfunction, they called it. That's right. Mm. And I, I think it'll just sort of be in the memory of, of everyone forever, at least people who, you know, are up to date with pop culture. Definitely. It was definitely one of the defining moments of 2017. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, North Korea, <laughs> Trump, nah. Kesha and Seinfeld, man. They're, they're the major definitely. events. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what's really happening in the world. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so Lush Sucks, the, the artist, painted a mural depicting on it on the side of a uh, pizza shop in Fitzroy North in Melbourne. And uh, Jerry went and actually visited yes. uh, through the week. With yeah, his manager, George Shapiro, which we actually put on our Facebook page. We uh, put a, found a picture. And we put that up from Jerry's yeah, Facebook. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Jerry uh, put it up on Instagram and his other socials, um, and it's him just in front of of, of the uh, mural with uh, with George, um, sort of giving him a bit of a hug. Yeah. Um, so that would have been really cool. I would have loved to have, you know, been around there. And it's really cool as well because I live a couple of suburbs, or well, one suburb away yeah. from uh, from North. Um, you know, so Jerry was kind of near me. I, I probably breathed the same air as Jerry. You probably did. You were just, you know, you smelled his pheromones, and he was, he was just there. Now, you, you would have gone up to him and go. I wasn't going to say pheromones. Pheromones. You um, weren't going to say pheromones. No, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> See what happens. What I was going to say was, you should have gone up to I'll, him and said, "I'll smell his pheromones." Oh, <laughs> I won't. I mean, I love Jerry, but not that much. I, I was just going to say, Stephen, you would have gone up to him and said, "Hey, you know my show, Bidrubask." It's it's a show about your show. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm half of it. I'm, my name's Stephen. Can I have a hug? No, thank you. Yeah, can I, no, thanks. I think he would have hugged me. He probably would have. Oh my yeah. god! What's the deal with Bidwabask? <laughs> I've heard of you guys. What's the deal with podcasts? <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So if uh, if you want to see something that's quite meta, uh, yeah, go to Jerry's Instagram and and check out the photo of him and George standing in front of the mural depicting him and Kesha. So the third bit of news uh, is not actually Jerry-related, funnily enough. So oh, Larry Thomas, he's the actor who played the Soup Nazi. Yeah. Um, which is our very first episode, the Soup Nazi. So go back and have a listen to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about and um, the other characters in that show. Um, at the moment in British Columbia, which is the West Coast province of Canada, Canary. there's a, a huge amount of wildfires happening. Wildfires in Canada, yeah? Yeah, that's right. So in the city of uh, New Westminster, which is in BC somewhere, yep. um, Larry Thomas spent some time in character as the soup Nazi, uh, serving soup to just, you know, customers and stuff. Yeah. Um, at, a, at a deli there somewhere. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and, you know, all the, all the, all the funds raised 
for the soup that he sold um, and this deli sold went to, uh, I guess, relief or some sort of charities associated with the wildfires because they're, they're quite destructive at the moment. So Yeah, of course. And uh, if, if you're in Canada yeah, really- and you're listening, g'day and uh, stay safe if you're in the area. Yeah, I've got I've got a friend who lives in uh, Kamloops, which is a small town in British Columbia. He uh, he owns a restaurant there, and I talk to him occasionally. Uh, and he said it's pretty wild. The whole town's just always smoky. Yeah. So if you go to your uh, Google machine, uh, you'll be able to type in Larry Thomas and wildfires and uh, do a search, and some really cool photos come up. It's mostly him uh, posing with fans, who obviously would have been really stoked. Massively stoked with their jambalaya. 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 Next. Yeah. So that's all the Seinfeld news for this week. Wow, Stephen. So only three uh, three Seinfeld news segments today. You normally have like seven or eight or something. Yeah. No, it's a bit of a slow week in Seinfeld news. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah. three nonetheless. Indeed. Well, well done, Stephen. That was Seinfeld news. And we can get straight into the episode straight after this little break. We're talking about the baby shower today, season two, episode 10. And we're going to talk about a few secondary characters that made the episode memorable. So stay with us. You're listening to, but I don't want to be a secondary character. She's pregnant? Mm-hmm. Leslie is pregnant? Oh, see, there is no justice. She's the performance artist, right? Yeah, performance artist. She's a real performer, a real trooper. What's her husband's name again? Chip? Kip? Skip? Todd. Todd. Oh, yeah. And you're back with Ivan and Steven on But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character for Season 2, Episode 10. That's not our Season 2, Episode 10. We're not quite there yet. We're only two seasons in and this is our third but we're talking about season two episode 10 of Seinfeld and we're talking about the baby shower today and Steve one of uh, Stephen's favorite episodes yeah I love this episode a lot I was really looking forward to doing it yeah I'm sure you were it was and even like I, I said I said a bit earlier um you know for me it's not one of the best season two episodes but you know it holds its own and you know for seasons one and two i kind of forgive the show because it was really trying to find its feet and uh in season two there were a few episodes where uh, i think it stood out quite well and this one was uh, was one of them yeah a lot of people think that well fair enough too a lot of people say that uh seinfeld really hit its stride from season three Hmm. uh and up until about season five or six it's the true golden age but i think season one and two uh are a bit underrated the more the more time we spend with the show, the more I appreciate those seasons. Yeah, no, me too. And uh, and next week we're doing another season two episode as well. So we're going to do season two twice in a row. But we won't mention the episode yet. We'll do it later. But uh, yeah, no, that'd be that'd be good. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'd be good. Anyway, the baby shower. Every week I give a synopsis of the episode, just in case you haven't listened to it for a while or watched it, and you're probably wondering, what's the plot? Well, funnily enough, I have the answer for you. Uh, The baby shower, first airing in the US on May 16th, 1991. Wowee, the... uh before the uh, rise of grunge, before Nirvana kicked open the doors with Nevermind, this episode was uh, was yeah. on the airwaves. Crazy. <laughs> Just before. Just before. I think a few months before, actually. Um, the baby shower was... was to... What's that? I was going to say, I think it was August or September. Yeah. When, uh, Nirvana released Nevermind. And but everyone... they were big before but they, 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 they reached the mainstream at that stage. Yeah, with Nevermind. And, you know, before that, everyone was listening to, like, hair metal and stuff around this era. Yeah. yeah. They... they... With the final nail in the coffin of hair metal, which was a really, really good thing. It was a wonderful thing for pop culture and music <laughs> in general, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so the, the Baby Shower was directed by Tom Sharones and written by Larry Charles. Uh, in this one, Elaine holds a baby shower for her friend Leslie, Christine Dunford, at Jerry's apartment while he's performing in Buffalo. George anticipates this as he wishes to confront her as she poured Bosco chocolate sauce on his red collared shirt while doing performance art. Uh, Jerry's frustrated by the poor TV reception in his apartment, so Kramer enlists the help of two Russians, played by Vic Polizos and James Lashley, to install illegal cable at his place. After a violent dream, Jerry returns to New York earlier than planned, where George picks him up from the airport. And I did mention before that dream, it's quite uh, quite violent. Yeah. for, for A primetime sitcom. It definitely is, yeah. Yeah, it was just I mean, like the bullets it, and the, sh- the guns. It was like, whoa, geez. Yeah, it's like... The- Bond violence, though. You don't see anything. No, no. You just see, like, the holes in Jerry's shirt, but no blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good. Oh, what'd you do to my little cable boy? Cable boy. <laughs> cable boy. Yeah. Cable boy. It's good. We're a bunch of patsies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're a bunch of... We're patsies. <laughs> we're patsies. We're innocent. We weren't selling it. 
that's it. Uh, when Jerry tells George that they can't go back to the apartment due to the baby shower, George insists, and Jerry discovers that he's wearing the same red shirt, hoping for a chance encounter with Leslie. I love the scene in the car where, you know, you think George, you know, has turned a new leaf and said, hey, maybe he's he's being considerate to his mate and just, you know, picking him up from the airport. Because an airport run, as you know, is pretty, uh, is quite a quite a commitment. So Jerry's thinking, wow, George has really done done a solid for me. Thanks, man. And then he notices the red collared shirt and he goes, hey, what's this? Uh-huh. Red shirt. Red shirt. Red shirt. <laughs> so Jerry's yes. like, oh, God, George actually has a motive, an ulterior motive for picking him up. Totally. Yeah. George. You, yeah. He, he would he wouldn't just do something nice even for his best friend. Exactly. It's funnily, funny that you say um, airport run. I'm I'm overseas at the moment. I'm in Germany. You are, yes. Um, yeah. If a friend offers to drive me to the airport, it's something I hold in very high esteem. It's one of those moments where you say to that person, I owe you one. Yeah. You know, you, you either return the favor or you do something out of your way for them. Yeah, exactly. Because the airport run, you know, you, you can't park there because it'll cost you like a million dollars. And then, you know, you can only I, park in the, in the, in the drop-off zone for like a minute before you move. It's quite a commitment. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think the biggest thing for me that makes it so good is the fact that it saves you so much money. Yeah. Like in Melbourne, the bus to the airport is 20 bucks each way. Yeah, Melbourne is ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, an Uber or a cab is 40 or 50 bucks at minimum. Yeah. You know, that's if you live north of the river. That's it. Even in Brisbane, the train is 20 bucks a pop. Yeah. So the fact that it saves you so much coin as well is uh, is, is good. So yeah. I, I appreciate Jerry's, um, you know, appreciation of George's airport run. Yes, even though George had an ulterior motive, he wasn't doing it for him. He was doing it to take <laughs> yeah. revenge on Leslie, the performance artist, which we'll talk about in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, while, while they're on the way back to the apartment, Krem and the Russians enter the apartment during the baby shower and start a confrontation. And George doesn't have the courage to confront Leslie. One of the other guests confront Jerry for not following up with her after a date. Her name is Mary Cantardi, and that's played by Margaret Reed. Really solid character, even though she's in for 30 seconds or so. She uh, she has a great scene, in my opinion. And after this outburst, the crowd leaves. Uh, on the way out of the bathroom, the angry woman, that's uh, Mary, bumps into Leslie, whose chocolate cake lands on George's shirt. Jerry changes... <laughs> <laughs> so he's got another stain on the shirt. Uh, Jerry changes his mind about the cable, when he and when he refuses to pay the service fee, he was quoted at $150, but the, the Russians upped it to 400 bucks. The Russians removed the picture tube from his TV set. And they they, they smashed it as well. They, they smashed it too, yeah. So the TV's basically dead. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So other secondary characters in this one include Bill, played by Don Perry, uh, who's on the plane with Jerry. Uh, there's an FBI... He's credited as, as uh, FBI man. He's played by George C. Sims. Uh, he's in Jerry's dream sequence. There's also other FBI agents in the dream, and there's also the guests from the baby shower. Yeah. There's only one credited, as far as I can tell, and her name's Audrey Franz. Ah, oh, Audrey. Is she in another episode, maybe? Or? Uh, not too sure. So she's just credited as a party guest. Her, oh. The actress is Audrey Franz. Oh, right, okay. And she's just called party yeah. guest. Yeah, that's it. Cool. And a bit of trivia about yeah. the baby shower. Oh, sorry, but before I get into I it, what were you going to say? On, um, I was just thinking, uh, when George has the cake smashed into his shirt, Yes. After, do, you still, do you still think he kept it? So it had uh, Bosco and cake on it, and he oh. did, he still think he wore sweaters. Well, at the end, he helps Leslie get all her gifts and bring them in the car. So uh, he probably but, he probably wanted to muster up the courage. Maybe he'd wait another six months to get his revenge on Leslie, you know. And, true. And then this time he'll get like a strawberry cheesecake on his shirt, or uh, or some other <laughs> other you know sweet or cake of some sort. Yeah. That, yeah. That probably became his eating shirt every yeah. time he went to eat. Something chocolatey, or or that could cause a stain. That was the shirt he wore. That's it. Let's I, just I, I just I, I ask because um, you know if, if I had a shirt that was covered in chocolate, you can't wash that out. No, no I'd way. Probably throw it out. Yeah, I'd or throw use it out. It as rag to wash my car. But George, you know, being the cheap ass that he is, he keeps <laughs> it and he wears it on the sweaters, which is actually practical and fine. It's that's totally okay. Yeah. But just... after a second, you think you would get rid of the shirt. Yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't get too hot, you know. Like, if it's a hot day and you've got to take your, your sweater off, you don't want to be seen wearing one of those shirts. Yeah, that would be bad, actually, if you yeah. if you had to take it off. You had no choice. Yeah. Hopefully he's smart enough to keep an emergency shirt on him. Yeah, I don't think he's smart enough to do that. I think he was he was so emboldened with rage <laughs> against Leslie, he didn't think about it. Just some trivia about the baby shower. Um, The main Russian cable guy, he's called Tabachnik. I think that, T- Tabachnik, is that how you say it? 
That's how I've been saying it. Tabachnik. Tabachnik, yeah. While the other guys credited as assistant. Uh, Larry Charles was very happy with the dream sequence as he said that, uh, and I quote, I love the cinematic quality of the story where we kind of go from the plane to a fantasy sequence. And we have all these stories swirling around. I thought it was a good template for later episodes. Yeah, definitely. Especially season eight and nine. Yeah. Where they do a, a lot more surreal moments. Yeah, and this and this provided, like like Larry Charles said, it provided the template for uh, for later episodes. And yeah, we do see it in season eight and nine, and and you know to a degree, you know, in other seasons as well. Like say the smelly car in season four, that's a bit a, a bit of a fantasy as well with the smell. You know, we did an episode of that before. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not saying that uh, there wasn't surreal moments in. Oh no, no, three to seven, but it, they they became a lot more prominent in the last two oh, when uh, yeah. when Larry David left. There you go. Yeah, no, exactly, it did. And uh, just one last bit of trivia. And when originally aired, the episode was met with negative reviews from critics, which was very interesting. Um, New York Daily News ranked it third in the not-so-top Seinfeld episode list. So uh, didn't at the time, it didn't get uh, good ratings and uh, wasn't really reviewed too well. I think, I think because, uh, and, and I read a bit about this as well, basically the episode was concocted. It was just a few loose ideas that the writers had and they patched them all together. It does feel a bit like that, where the A and B stories aren't heavily intertwined. No. Situationally, other than all ending up in Jerry's apartment. Yeah, I mean, because no, it all comes together no at the end. Yeah, it, and, and from a writing point of view, it does feel a bit mashed together. Together, yeah. But, yep. but I still think they're really good solid stories on their own. You know how, in, you know how a lot in, in Seinfeld episodes, how the A and B and sometimes C storylines, mm-hmm. they're separate. But there's there's connections between them. Yes. There's things that tie together, and then it all comes together at the end. Yeah. The the the, the cable storyline and uh, and Leslie's storyline they're totally disconnected. There's no no connection really, except that they all just end up in Jerry's apartment. So mm. I get why you know reviewers usually review TV shows from a writing standpoint. Yeah. And I think a lot of the criticism of the episode is based on the fact that completely disjointed storylines mm-hmm. were just together at the end yeah and they weren't quite used to it yeah but i still think it's a great episode and each storyline is is awesome i love them both for their own reasons well i'm curious to see at the end of this episode where the baby shower sits in your top 10 i assume it'll be in your top 10 uh you'll find out i'll be curious to find out and also we'll give our top 10 secondary characters so will any of the following characters be on in our top 10 you're gonna find out if you stick with us till the end of the episode you'll uh, find out yep yes Indeed. Let's kick off now, yeah. Stephen, with our first character. I guess our, our main secondary character, Leslie. So George's nemesis, I guess. <laughs> yeah, former former girlfriend. Well, not even girlfriend, just date. Date, yeah. Um, Performance artist. Yeah, she was played by Christine Dunford. That's right. Uh, I had a look into her career, and she seemed to have a strong theatre background. She does, yes. And she's been in a few uh, TV shows as well. Uh, she's known for her role in Hudson Street. Uh, as Officer Kirby McIntyre. And also, one thing, Stephen, I, I love video games. I'm a huge fan. Um, she's also uh, been in a lot of video games, like her voice. She's voiced a lot of uh, characters. I was going to say, I thought of you when I read that she'd done a lot of voiceover work. <laughs> yeah, for video uh, for video games, too. That's re- that's one thing I want to get into one day, video game voice acting. That would be amazing. You know, That would be cool. You've got you've got the pipes for it. Oh, so. thanks, man. Thanks, man. Uh, I'll do, like, Grand Theft Auto 9 or something. That'd be cool. I'll play one of the, one of the, <laughs> one of the protagonists. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, cool. You can be a VR character. A VR character, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if podcasts will ever get into virtual reality where, you know, people put on a headset and it's like they're sitting here with us recording. Yeah, that could work. We could we could set up like a desk <laughs> and we'd have like a VR camera and then, you know, to be like yeah. to be like you're sitting with us. You can't uh, stroke our yeah. hair or our or our beards or anything, but uh you know, you can you can watch us. Yeah, that that sounds a bit creepy, but sure. It does. It does. Hey, you never know what the people <laughs> like. If we, if our fans love us that much, <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> so, as I was saying, Christine, she voiced um, uh, characters in games including EverQuest 2, Mass Effect 3, Hitman Blood Money, and two games in the Infamous series, Second Son and First Light. So, uh, yeah, mm. she's lent her voice to quite a few games. None of that means anything to me, but That's it sounds okay. impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. They were, they were, very, <laughs> they were like AAA titles. All those ones. Like oh, wow. big, big titles, yeah. So uh, there you go. No, she did, she did good. She does have a good voice. She does, yes. She does have a good voice. And also, and also when she played as Leslie, she did quite well as well, even though she was in it for one yeah. scene, one long scene. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, memorable character. Yeah. So Leslie is obviously part of New York's elite. She's a performance artist. 
Yeah, I, I think I think she was born into privilege. I think so too. Yes, very uh, liberal, left-leaning parents. Yeah, I, I would say her parents are probably very waspy. Yes, Democrat donors or something. Democrat Party donors. Yeah, uh, obviously the Kennedys. Um, oh yeah, she's married into the Kennedys only by I think wasn't her husband third cousins with the Kennedys or something. Third cousin or some, something yeah. really distant. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure her family and the Kennedys were friends, yeah. or at least associates. Associates, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. definitely comes from money and is therefore a complete snob. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too, yeah. She's definitely very uh, very egotistical, very selfish, very elitist. Yeah, I don't see any sure. many good qualities in her. I don't know why George was interested in her. Maybe, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't understand. I think, I think someone as self-loathing as George is someone <laughs> dominating there is some appeal there. Yes. So you think you know, George likes to get dominated by women? Maybe not sexually, but no, no, at no, least no, no. Like, I mean, I mean psychologically, and you know, yeah, and all that definitely. mentally. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I, I picked her as definitely elitist, and you know, marrying into the Kennedy family. Obviously, like you said, they were probably the families are probably associates, and uh, I think the performance art for her. I think she's already got money in the bank, and. Uh, She's probably just doing performance art just to express herself, just for the hell of it. You know, she's not after yeah. it for money. She's just doing it to express her true feelings. Obviously, uh, she was an Definitely. extrovert growing up. and uh, Oh, an in- introvert, I guess. Uh, most artists are introverts, I-, I guess you'd say. And she wanted to express herself with the Bosco chocolate sauce <laughs> while, <laughs> while screaming. George is like, she was screaming while she was putting putting everything everywhere. I think the fact that she came from money allowed her the comfort of exploring more esoteric art, like you know, like obscure uh, performance art. I got, I got the idea as well that maybe at one point she tried to be a street artist. Oh, okay. Even though she had all the money in the world and didn't need it. Sorry, not not a street artist, is it? Like not a graffiti, but like a street performer. Street performer, say. yeah, yeah. So she was doing her own screaming and painting finger painting or yeah. whatever it was at the time i i was thinking as well the fact that she's so dominant and a bit of an asshole uh a bit? is <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm trying to be polite oh yeah of course. <laughs> um, to a fictional character of course <laughs> that's, that's nice it. you're sweetie i think she has some self-loathing and frustration at life too yeah. i think she wanted to be a tortured artist who had to struggle in life but because she was born into privilege she never felt authentic living that life no if art didn't work out for her, if performance didn't work out for her, she still had money and privilege and, and opportunities to fall back on, whereas yeah. a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. So she had to fill the void. That's why she experimented with different types of art, and she found her own niche, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think she just felt that she was always being inauthentic, that she was trying to be someone that she... Not, not to say that she didn't believe in her performance, but there was a dissonance between who she wanted to be and who she was in terms of background. Yeah. You know, she could never truly escape her, her privilege. No, no. But then but then again, she'd have to sell, you know, she could have sold everything and given all her money away and uh, become the starving artist like she always wanted. But I guess the, uh, the I guess the privilege and the uh, the wealth is too good to give away. Yeah, I think, I think she, she tried to live that life mm. and distance herself from her family. Yeah. But it, that that pool was always there and she obviously wound back up you know where you know closer to her family and her wealth and privilege yeah because he brags about how she she bought an apartment on riverside drive mm. you know which i looked into as a very very expensive even at time the, yeah yeah well there you go yeah so uh obviously she she knows the taste of wealth and she enjoys it and she won't uh I mean, she loves the art, but she uh, she won't give up the wealth. No, I don't think she could she could fully separate herself because mm. it, it's you know that's always risky. Yeah, and you who know, would... a lot of a lot of fail, and then they wind up destitute yeah. and doing something they hate. So she was pulled back into something that was comfortable and easy. Yeah, that was comfortable and easy. So she did uh, performance art. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how George and her met. Like, do you think there was a chance encounter? Oh no, no, no sorry, we didn't. No, Elaine introduced him, Elaine, didn't they? Elaine, Elaine, yeah, yeah. Elaine introduced him. Yeah, yeah that's right. I think yeah. a better question is how Elaine and her met. Mm, Elaine and Leslie. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Oh no, weren't they? Uh, no, they, they were in, at college well, together. They went, they went to college. Yeah, that's college. right. 
Yeah, no, because 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 no. at, at the end of the episode, Leslie says to Elaine, "You're just the same as you were in college." That's as right. Elaine's leaving, okay. yeah, and then yeah. Elaine looks at her with like a sly grimace and goes, "Oh," and walks off. I, I would have, I would guess that they both went to some sort of writing or art school. Yeah, I mean, Elaine, we, yeah, because Elaine is a is a writer and a writer. Yeah, and she's a she's a performance artist. It might have been some sort of liberal arts college or something. Maybe. Because we have mentioned, um, when we did episode 10, The Seinfeld Parents, we mentioned Alton Bennis, you know, her father was an author. Yeah. And we thought Elaine got inspiration from the father and went to writing school or whatever. So that's how they probably yeah. met, you know, doing doing writing or arts or that sort of thing. So that, that's, how, that's how they knew Definitely. each other. Yeah. I spent a bit of time thinking about her, her college life as well. Yeah. I would suppose she was the complete and, and utter alpha and ringleader of... <laughs> Of the uh, the sorority. Uh, what's the sorority? That's the sorority. That's the female. Um, yeah. Thing. Yeah. Fraternity for men and sorority for women. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So she was dominant. So, she was like the main, the head honcho. Yeah, she was kind of like the college version of the head cheerleader. You know, yeah. in High school movies. Yeah. Total bully. Total <laughs> snob. Smart. Beautiful. Yeah. All that stuff. And all that jazz. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she yeah. just she's just up herself. Definitely, I think the best line that sums up her 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 character is uh, when she eats a bit of food and she turns to Elaine and says, Elaine, who did you get to cater this baby shower? Sears? Sears, yeah, and, and everyone just laughs. Like, ah. if, you, if you look at her friend who's standing next to her, she yeah. has this kind of nervous glint in her eye and that she has to laugh because she has the ringleader yeah. made a joke. That, that's right, yeah. So they all have she to kind not, of keep up appearances. Yeah, she might not feel the same way or she might feel sorry for Elaine for, yeah. for being teased about the food. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, to keep up appearances, yeah. she kind of had to laugh along with yeah, even though Leslie was in one scene, I, I found her to be quite repulsive. Like she's she's not in my top ten secondary characters. Yeah. I don't know. She just had yeah. a, she just had a very cold vibe. You know, Christine Dunford played the role quite well. You know, she played a real cold, calculated asshole. Totally. Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I I love strong female characters in anything because yeah, me there's not enough of them. No, it's getting better. Yeah, they are. So, so anytime you see a strong woman who doesn't take any shit, it's always great. Yeah. To see, but. She she crosses the line from strong woman who doesn't take any shit to just complete another asshole. And complete another asshole, yeah. And then and then at the end of the episode, George, you know, caves in and helps her bring all her toys to the car. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Hurry up!" <laughs> I, love, I love George's speech that he that he that he uh, gives to to Jerry in the car. What in he's the car, say yeah. What's what he's gonna say? Yeah. And then George just caves. I, I can just imagine him, you know, every few days putting on that shirt at home and into the mirror. Like in Taxi Driver, you know, yeah. Robert, like, you talking to me? Hey, trying Leslie. to get into it. You talking to me, Leslie? To... But we've he all done that. that. We've all done that at least once in our lives, you know. You know, we wanted to confront someone, and, you know, we've said in our heads and, you know, in the mirror, this is what I'm going to say. And then you see him, and it doesn't, you know, work out that way. We, we've all done that at least once. To- oh, for sure. Mm. I mean, I, I've done that not just for uh, confronting people, but just to get confident for say a job interview or something you That's reverse it. some answers yeah and then, and then you become confident and you know what to do and uh, well sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't <laughs> in george's case it definitely does not work yes and speaking of strong women so we just mentioned leslie did you actually do you have anything else about leslie no that was it yeah. i i think she was a great character in that she was memorable but as a as a person, very unlikable. Very unlikable, yeah. No, I didn't like her character too much. But you know, she served a purpose in the, in the episode, and we never saw her again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once, once, once was enough. Once was enough, definitely. Well, we're going to talk about three more characters straight after this break. We're going to get started with Mary, who I really enjoyed uh, seeing in the episode. She's only in one scene for about forty five seconds, but she did a great job. We'll talk about her, uh, Tabachnik or Tabachnik, uh, one of the Russian. Cable guys, the other cable guy credited as assistant, and Bill, who's on the plane with Jerry. Sounds good. You're on, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Mr. Steinfeld? Seinfeld. We're with the FBI. You want to tell us about your cable hookup? <laughs> cable hookup? What about it? It's been illegally installed, Mr. Steinfeld. It has? I've been out of town. How did you know? Hey, Jerry, I had to tell him. I had to. I had no choice. Ah, they were under the scam from the very beginning. You're in very serious trouble, Mr. Steinfeld. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. We're just patsies. We're just a couple of users. We never solved this stuff. What about the Russian guy? The Russian guy's the guy you want. Mr. Seinfeld. Agent Stone, FBI undercover. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast about the secondary characters of our much-beloved show, Seinfeld. And so far, we've talked a bit about some Seinfeld news uh ivan has given a bit of a synopsis yes as i do each week yep and the main secondary character of the episode leslie 
Uh, and we're going to talk about the other secondary characters. Uh, yes. The first one being your favourites, Mary Cantati. Mary Cantati. And I did mention before the break that I did enjoy her uh, 45 seconds or so on screen. I think she did really, really well. And uh, she absolutely put Jerry in, in his place. Yeah. Much deservedly. Much deservedly. Uh, so Mary, she was played by Margaret Reed, and she's known for the TV series As the World Turns. And she's had uh, guest appearances in other shows, big and small, uh, but yeah, not too much of a not too much of a, a career recently. I think she's she's done a few things recently, but nothing nothing really of note. Okay. Yes. But uh, no, the, the, with with Mary, man, I mean, she was great. She really, you know, it's really funny. Like she happens to, to, you know, to know Leslie and be friends with her. And you know, it's like it's like if you go to a party or whatever, and then you go and you see someone who knows someone, but then they know you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you go you go to your mate's party or your mate's get together, like house get together, and then you see someone who you haven't seen for ages, and they're like mutual friends. It's like, oh, hello. You know, not in that angry, aggressive way like Mary did, but, you know, they'll come up and say, hey, Steve, or Ivan. It's like, hey, haven't seen you in a while. How do you know these people? A strange coincidence. That's it. And obviously, uh, Jerry got a really, uh, really big shock and a, a big strange coincidence as well. So, uh, yeah, Mary really uh, ripped open a new one, didn't she? Yeah, he was left without words. He yeah. Didn't, he didn't really reply in any significant way. You said you were going to call me, but you never did. And Jerry's like, well, I was going to do it. Liar! <laughs> Liar! I love how she... I, I, told you, I told you off air that I love that she became more like Shakespearean in her talk, in her tone. She's just like, liar! You were never going to do it. You were just going to get rid of me or something like that. Yeah, definitely very theatrical. Very theatrical, yeah. Now, I think Mary uh, definitely holds a grudge against men who don't <laughs> call her back. She probably expects people to call her back the next day. And yeah. Then, yeah, and then, you know, obviously, there was no social media or emails at the time, so she couldn't follow up with Jerry, so she had to wait for his call. And uh, But I'm really surprised that she didn't make the effort to make the call, you know, if she was really upset. Obviously, she she seemed to like Jerry. Well, it's funny you say that. I was thinking, why would she react so badly? Because people don't call back people before the days of messaging and social media yes. when phone calls were the, were the communication for dating or, or seeing each other. Yeah. She took it really, really hard. And she, she as did. you said, she held it for a long time. Hmm. You know, she obviously wasn't over it. Yeah. And I was thinking, why, why would she care so much? You know, she's a beautiful, I'm guessing, intelligent, maybe yeah. successful woman. And, but it's, it's slightly, not, slightly unhinged. <laughs> yeah. And, I was thinking maybe she maybe she fell in love with Jerry. Maybe or she maybe did. she had really strong feelings for him, mm. and it was very disempowering for her because she put so much into it, feelings wise. Yeah, and he he's not capable of that. No, you know, and he just coldly abandoned her, and that really hit home. It wasn't just the discourteous nature of not getting a call, yeah, or not broken up with. It was an emotional punch in the guts for her. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Well, how about how about this theory? You know, like you know, if she you saying that she was she was in love with Jerry and, and she was hurt and all that when he didn't contact her. What if she's been looking for love, looking for the one, you know, and then she's dated you know several men and the ones that never get back in touch with her, she cracks it. What if she's trying to find the one? She's lonely and she thinks, oh, with this guy, I'd really like this one. If he calls me back, he could be the one. But then they don't call, and then you know the ones that she goes out with, if you know if she doesn't like him, she doesn't care. But the ones that she really likes, she's hoping to snag him because she really wants a husband or a boyfriend. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, that that's a potential theory of why she reacted so dramatically. Mm. Uh, when she meets someone that she likes, she yeah. puts everything into it. Everything into it, and she goes, "Oh, please, when... I hope you can call me soon. You know, give me a call." Or or the or the man, you know, falsely promises to call them and never does. Yeah, I don't. I don't want her to. I don't want to give her the discredit of being desperate no I okay she's, no it was just she's a theory very proud. just a theory yeah 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 but at the same time yeah i think she just falls in love very easily and takes it very hard when uh when the other person doesn't feel the same way i think so too i think she's been burned too many times and she's uh she's, yeah. trying, to, she's trying to find the one do you think she reacts that way to all men who who uh who, who bail on her when she sees them well i don't think she gets the chance to see them again because, you know, if yeah. she meets the guys that she likes and they say, oh, I'll call you, you know, she never sees them again. But then she happened to have that chance encounter with Jerry. Well, she, I mean, she would have known that this baby shower would have been at, at Jerry's Jer apartment. That's exactly I what I was thinking. Yeah, she would have known. I was thinking maybe she rehearsed her little speech uh, as much as you can for something like that, like George did. <laughs> Like George with Leslie, yeah. 
It, yeah, she would have practiced it in front of the mirror, except that she had the uh, the guff to actually say what she thought. Yeah. Whereas George does. So they were kind of like parallel parallel situations in the same in the same yeah. area. That scene, she was what George wanted to be. She was the she was the empowered one. Yeah. She off, and George is just this weak little shell of a person. Yeah, exactly. And, and then she showed yeah. him who's boss. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, mind you, Jerry is not as uh, not as alpha as as Leslie, so no. it'd be a bit easy to tell him off then for him to tell her off. Exactly. But yeah, she became George in that scene. She did. She 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 like you said, she came to be what George should have been. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And she she did it wholly and a hundred percent, and she walked out with her head held high. That's it. She would have been on top of the world after that. Yeah, I I man, I even though she's in it for a short time, I love this character. I think she was great. She's great. And she was like yeah. the, Margaret Reed just killed it in that scene. She just said all the right, you know, the right words and the right tones and then she became a bit theatrical like you said Shakespearean at some points, but it was a great it was a great monologue. It was fantastic. And Jerry and Jerry just couldn't get a word in. No way. No. It was great. You're the insignificant piece of dust. Yeah, an insignificant piece of dust. Liar. I love when she goes liar. I was going to call you she, liar. She cuts him off well. Yeah, I know. She's great. She's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I really enjoyed. Yeah. I really enjoyed the her thirty seconds to a minute being on on uh, on screen. It was great, yeah, and definitely. and I loved I loved it. The extra the bonus at the end when she goes into the bathroom, she's all, obviously all enraged with what she said, and then she comes out and she uh, knocks Leslie, who knocks chocolate cake on George. So she actually caused the uh, chocolate cake to hit George. I think after that after that rant, uh, she would have been so joyous that yeah. she wouldn't have even regarded what she'd done. No, she just. Just total tunnel vision of I'm I'm amazing. I've done what I've wanted to do for months That's or years, it. however been, and just not even aware of her surroundings. Doesn't she mention when they dated? Wasn't it like a year ago or something? Two years ago? Uh, she might. I can't remember. I thought she said, "Oh, we dated two years ago or something." Okay. So obviously Maybe. she holds grudges for for guys for a very long time. Yeah. Well, like we said, when she falls, she falls hard. Yeah. Uh, so not something she can just let go of easily. And if she has the opportunity, I think she would jump on it, which she obviously did. She sure did. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> you know, if I if I dated someone two years ago and never got back to them, I wouldn't go to all that effort to yell at them. You know, I would have moved on by then. Yeah. <laughs> you know. There you go. So she's lost looking for love, and I guess your theory is more plausible. She was in love with Jerry, and Jerry never got back to her. Yeah, maybe not not necessarily in love, but she no. just had strong feelings. Strong feelings for him, and she probably saw I, Jerry on the TV, I, you know, because he's a successful comedian, you know, and she probably tracked yeah. his movements and said, oh, Jerry, you're travelling all over America and you don't have time to give me a call. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That sounds a bit stalkerish. It maybe, does sound a bit stalkerish. Yeah, she, she's an intense person, so maybe she would be the sort of person who would keep tabs on, on her boyfriends yeah. or do do a bit of digging before she got to know them. Yeah. yeah. Potential. Potential, yes. But anyway, I love I loved Mary Cantati. She's a great character. No, she's awesome. She's awesome. The next character is my favorite in the show, Tabachnik. Tabachnik. He's the, uh, the Soviet cable guy, yes. as Kramer uh, puts puts it excellently yes played by uh, vic polisis uh, known for who's the boss prizzy's honor and graveyard shift yeah he's an actor with over 100 credits so he's yeah. a, he's, he's been for a while yeah and also vic he actually played agent stone in the uh fantasy sequence yeah because yeah because jerry goes what he about the play. russian the russian cable guys and then you know he walks out and he's all dressed in you know a suit and he's all clean and shaven and stuff and he goes agent stone fbi yeah no he was posing as a as a as a uh a slob yeah so cable guy to uh to catch people yeah in the dream yeah excellent and yeah. uh yeah tabashnik so uh yeah obviously uh, an immigrant from from the soviet union at the time because i think it was just after the wall came down in berlin and when the Soviet Union collapsed, so uh, Kramer still referred it as the Soviet Union, or referred to the country. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking, I think he came over just before the wall came down. Yeah, he seemed to yeah. be pretty established in America. Yeah. And that was, this episode aired, you know, what, less, around two years after the wall came down. That's it, something like that, yep. Uh, yeah, like a year or two. But he, Kramer was already listing what he can do, which is... Um, you know, like uh, reverse the gas meter. Yeah, that's right. Um, cable. <laughs> that's yeah, it. like his. I reckon he'd been in America for a little while, and he's picked um, up all these skills, or already he already had those skills and came to America. Yeah, I think I think he picked them up in uh, in the Soviet Union. Yeah. Uh, before he came to America, but being being a, a lot more of a free country, um, you know, he was probably uh, he had more of an opportunity to to develop them. Yeah. 
And or, or, or at least take advantage of them. Yeah, and obviously he's a shady businessman. Do you think he has a legitimate job, but he does illegal activities on the side, or do you think he makes money from the illegal activities? Yeah, I think he's some sort of just a tradie or something, you know, just maybe a handyman or something yep. something practical. Sure. On. He just has a really good general knowledge of, you know, of cable and, and utilities and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he knows all the dodgy stuff, but he... Most tradies probably know a lot of dodgy stuff that they could do in whatever they do, but yeah. they don't do it, where he has no qualms about crossing that line. Yeah, for a price, he'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Just cash. Cash. It yeah. may be th- Maybe he, in America, or at least in the Soviet Union, maybe he had some loose association with the KGB or the mob. Okay. Yeah, I think, because he's quite skilled. He's, yeah. he's not very, doesn't seem very intellectual. He's, no. He's a big fat slob. Big fat slob who eats he eats all the food at the baby shower. Exactly. Him and the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just eats they, it all. They have, because in uh, where he's from, they have the run of the cable guy has the run of the whole house. Has the house. run of the whole house. That's that's tradition. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's like that's tradition. It's like no, it's not Kramer. No, I think make it up to to yeah. explain away how awkward it is that this cable guy is just eating all the food. But Kramer really holds them in high regard, doesn't he? You know, because he gets for 150 bucks, he gets 56 channels, sports, movies, over you know? 70 Mets games. Over 70, 70 Mets, Mets games over the season, and Jerry's like, "Yeah, come in." <laughs> yeah, I love love that little scene where um where where Kramer's trying to convince Jerry, and uh, and he says, "Jerry, the Mets have over seventy home games this season." That's right. And and he's, Jerry, look at Kramer. Look at the cable. Look at Kramer. Look at the cable. Yeah. And he starts nodding before he talks. He's like, "Yeah, yeah. put it in. <laughs> yeah, put it, right, in, put, put it in, put it in." And then he's like, "Jerry's yeah. gonna be my cable boy, cable boy, <laughs> cable boy." <laughs> cable boy. Yeah. Cable that's board. a great episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great little scene. Great little scene. Um, yeah. I think I think to Butchnik as well is if he's never been if he's been married, mm-hmm. uh, which is potentially unlikely. Yeah. I think he's divorced. I think he may have a family back in, in the Soviet Union, but he's too much of a of a peak to care. Yeah, yeah. He just he just gave it all up and uh, he probably what do you reckon about the assistant? Do you reckon he uh, he came with him or maybe met him here? No. I think I think he was already living in America. Okay. Because Tabachnik is such a you know, he's so he's so sort of hyper masculine in that he just eats everything yeah. and dominates. He doesn't care, he doesn't, care. doesn't yeah. give a shit. No. I think the assistant um, I think he met him in America, and he's kind of like his puppy dog. Right. Okay. So he just follows Tabashnik yeah. around. Yeah, I think he wants to be like him. He's mm. a bit of a he's a bit of a, a sicker fan, and I think, uh, I th- but he's not as good, um, you know, technically speaking. No. Uh, at, at at those skills, yeah. and he's not as daring. He he give he feels too guilty, or is uh he's too he's too fearful of of being caught by the police or something. Very good point. Yeah, so he's kind of he's kind of Tabachnik's lapdog. Yeah, and I yeah. think Tabachnik is the sort of person who would take advantage of that and just use him as his sort of punching bag. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But then again, he, he does stand up to him and they both choke each other out. It's not like he's subservient to him in that no, moment. No, that's what I was going to say. I was actually going to mention that because they, they start a confrontation during the baby shower. Yeah. Yeah. They comically yeah. strangle each other. Yeah. yeah. I still, I, yeah, I think maybe he occasionally stands up for himself, but most of the time he just sort of takes it. Takes it, yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Tabachnik seems like a dominant person in that in that um, in that relationship. He has. I think it's a very yeah, yeah. definitely. It's a, it's a very unhealthy relationship. Oh, it sure is. But hey, they get the job done. They get their hundred and fifty bucks, or in Jerry's case, four hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, and then Kramer looks at him yeah. like, oh, you told you said one hundred and fifty dollars. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I like it when they're when they're figuring out the cost in Russian. They're like blah 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 blah, and he speaks with almost a New York accent. He's like four hundred dollars. Yeah, because because he's an American actor. <laughs> yeah, right. He just goes four hundred dollars. Yeah. No one comments on that. Yeah, no, it's good. It's very good. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, another another little sort of visual scene where uh where where Jerry says, you know, I'm not paying for that. No. The Butnik and the assistant look at him. Yeah. Look at Kramer. That's it. And then it just. Cuts them watching TV. It's a it's a smash cut to them watching TV, and it's it's smashed. Uh, it's smashed, yeah. and I think they're watching a Mets game or a basketball game. Yeah, yeah. You can you can just make out um, some sports that's happening. Yeah, yeah, and you can hear you can kind of hear the hear them hear the noise yeah. in the background too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you have anything else about Tavashnik? No, Tavashnik. No, no. I, I think that was about it. Yeah. I'm, you know, obviously an immigrant from the Soviet Union, and uh, well, I guess we've established he has a legitimate job, but on the side, he he does the job, dodgy jobs. And obviously, Kramer always meets the most colourful, interesting people. You know, like Russians yeah. and the the well. The Cubans or the Bolivians who make cigars, as well as other people, you know, he befriends throughout the series. And, uh, yeah, you know, Tabachnik, uh, I think he served the purpose well. And uh, for the B story, he was just fine. Yeah, no, he's great. I love Tabachnik. Tabachnik, you he's do. A, yeah, I do. He's yes. great. No, he's good. No, he was good. He was definitely a good part of the B story there. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have anything on Bill? Bill? Uh, not really, no. But I do have some trivia about Bill. So, he was, uh, Bill was played um, by Don Perry. Uh, who's on the plane with Jerry. Uh, actually, Larry Charles said that uh, Bill's line wasn't originally in the script. He says to Jerry, you'll be the last person that'll see me. You know how's they're going down because of the blizzard? Yeah. You know, the emergency mm-hmm. landing? He's like, you'll probably be the last person that'll ever see me. And he, put, he has that smile. <laughs> which yeah. is, he just puts that face on and Jerry's like, oh God, kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so apparently his line wasn't originally in the script, but it was added because Perry, the actor, had the right look, which uh, he certainly did. Yeah. He's had the right face. Yeah. For sure. I I think of him as a very stoic person. Yes. Un, unemotional, uh, well, at least being able to confront emotion from a very practical and stoic point of view. Mm, yeah. He just, he's, he's obviously dealing, he's not panicked. The fact that they might crash if they fly into a storm. And he's obviously already okay with death. Yeah. Because he, he says so openly to Jerry, he's just like, my name's Bill. My name's I Bill. Might be, you might be the last person. You know, you might be the last person see. to ever see me. Yeah, you know, last person you'll ever see, and he just puts on that smile, you know, that innocent yeah. smile. <laughs> and yeah. Jerry's like, "Oh God." Yeah. yeah, it just, it just, he just had a very stoic nature about him. I yeah, think he did. Yeah, he knew, like, you know, he was old, and he thought, "Ah, it's all right. I'll go down with the plane. That's okay." You know, yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Just accepting of what what happens to him. I just love Jerry's reaction. It's just the best. <laughs> Jerry's just like, "Oh God." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Bill, and you're the last person you will ever see. <laughs> I like how he shakes his hand as well. Yeah, that's it. No, that's a good one. Yeah, no, no, not much about Bill, really. No, that, just that, that one thing, okay. but that one line really worked. I that's think good. the accent that he puts on is West Virginian as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's from West Virginia. I think so. Virginia. Yeah, I think might, so. Might, might have been a coal miner. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Oh. No, Bill, Bill was cool. I yeah. liked Bill. Now, Bill was good. Now, cool. th- th- he was a, a good one-line character in Seinfeld. For sure. Cool yeah. dude. Cool dude. Cool dude. And if, I was, if I was going down in a plane, I'd want someone like him next to me. Uh, me, probably not. <laughs> okay. Nah. Uh, whoever. <laughs> I probably wouldn't talk to anyone if we were having an emergency landing. I'd just be that's, like, don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Just leave me in that in the brace position. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's me anyway. And Did you have anything else about any other secondary characters? No, or? that was all for me. How about yourself? Nope, that's nope. everything. And that's The Baby Shower, Season 2, Episode 10. They're the secondary characters, Leslie, Mary, Tabachnik, the assistant, and Bill on the plane with Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're coming back, we're going to do our top 10 secondary characters and our top 10 episodes, or rather where The Baby Shower sits in our top episode, Stephen and myself, Ivan. Remember me? I'm sorry, uh... Mary Cantardi? No? Doesn't ring a bell, Jerry? We had a date three years ago. You took me to one of your shows. Oh, I, I, I think I remember. Told me you had a great time. Said you'd call me the next day. Well, I'm sure I meant to call. I probably just lost... No! You were never going to call me! You thought you could waltz for the rest of your life and never bump into me again, but you were wrong, Jerry. You were wrong. <laughs> what do you think? I'm some sort of poor, pathetic wretch. And you're back with Ivan and Stephen on But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, Seinfeld podcast about the minor and secondary characters of our favourite show, Seinfeld. Hey. Um, hey. So we've gone through all the secondary characters. We sure have. We um, had five characters today. Yeah, quite yeah. a few. And we are now going to talk about our top ten secondary characters uh, that we've reviewed. So far, yes. So in case you're wondering, you know, why isn't this character on here? It's either A, we don't like them, or B, we haven't got to them yet. So uh, we'll probably get to them soon. Yeah, we eventually will. We plan on covering everyone we can. Yes, we hope so too. Now, the top 10 for my top 10 anyway, Stephen. At number 10, from The Trip, parts 1 and 2, it's Helena 
Kramer, Kramer. <laughs> At number nine, it's the old man, Sid Fields. Get out of my house, you idiot. And I'm, I'm just doing quotes as I'm, as I'm mentioning them. At number eight, Bob and Ray, a.k.a. Cedric from the Soup Nazi. Are you talking to me? No, I think he's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> number seven, <laughs> Lloyd Braun. When we did our What's the Deal with episode of Lloyd Braun, he's number seven on my list. Serenity now, insanity later. Yes. <laughs> and at number six, making her debut from this week's episode, The Baby Shower, Mary Cantardi. Liar. Liar. And uh, as I've mentioned many times in this episode, she she makes her debut in my top ten. I think she deserves a place. You know, I love the characters. You know, you get the, the regular ones like Newman or Susan or Frank Costanza who were in my top five. But, you know, Mary, you know, you get that one character once in a while who's only in for 30 seconds or a minute and she really makes a splash. He or she really makes a splash in the episode. And I I think she really put Jerry in her place and she was a very dominant female character. And for the early 90s, that's always a good thing to have. For sure. For sure. Yeah, so she's number six. And number five, it's Lieutenant Bookman from the library. Buddy boy. I don't know. I can't think of any quotes for him at the moment. (laughs) We don't have time to do his monologue. No, no, no. That'll take forever. (laughs) At number four from last week, it's Newman. When you control the mail, you control information. At number three, it's Susan from What's the Deal with Susan. She is number three on my list. Yeah, you want a prenup? I earn more money than you. <laughs> yeah, I'll sign it. <laughs> okay. I'm terrible. <laughs> at number two, the Soup Nazi from the Soup Nazi. Noso for you. And at number one, Frank Costanza from What's the Deal with the Seinfeld Parents when we reviewed the parents of Seinfeld. There's a Festivus for the rest of us. That's my top ten. Okay. Uh, my top ten. I won't do quotes. No, uh, please don't. I'm never going to do that again. Sorry, listeners. That was just That's shocking. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yes. Uh, so, number ten is Tabachnik. Oh, he's in your top ten. Yep. Whoa. Yep. Okay. Even though he's a pig, uh, there's something about him. He yep. is kind of curmudgeonly. I guess he's kind of old. Yep. And so, you love those characters, you said. Indeed. Uh, number nine, speaking of curmudgeonly old men, Sid Fields uh, uh, from The Old Man. Yeah, uh, number nine as well for me. Number, yeah, number eight, George's parents. Yep. Um, I consider one character. Number seven, Harold and Manny. Uh, number six, Susan Ross. Five is Celia. And uh, number four, the record store, no, store owner. From The Old Man. Uh, that's it. Yep. Number three, Jane uh, from The Hamptons. Yeah. Uh, two episodes ago, our first for season two. That's correct. Number two, The Street Toughs, Bob and Cedric. And number one is Elton Bennis, Elaine's dad. Excellent. And uh, you and I have, have uh, one of the Seinfeld parents on uh, number one, and I don't think they're going to be uh, knocked off anytime soon. No. Maybe one day. Maybe but, one uh, day. For now, they're pretty, pretty strongly number one for both of us. For sure. Now, every week as well, we get our favourite or top ten Seinfeld episodes as reviewed by Bidwabask at the moment. Now, I won't go through my top ten. I'll just give you the top five. But out of the 17 episodes that we've reviewed, these aren't including the What's the Deal With episodes, of course. Uh, now, I've, I've told you before I did like The Baby Shower, but The Baby Shower for me is number 13. Because the, okay. yeah, cause the next 12, they're really strong episodes. So it's not that The Baby Shower is a bad episode. It's just the, 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 my top 12 are just so good, you know? Yeah. Really, really good. Again, yeah. We, we have done episodes so far. Yeah. Yeah, so out of 17, it's number 13, but like I said, it's not a reflection on the episode. It's not a bad episode. It's just uh, there's just 12 better ones, in my opinion. Fair enough. Yeah. My top five, The Jimmy from Season 6. Number four is The Hamptons from Season 5. The Bizarro Jerry from Season 8 is number three. The Soup Nazi from Season 7 is number two. And my favourite we've reviewed so far from Season 4, The Outing. Not that there's anything okay. wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. What's your least favourite episode? Uh, your favourite episode, Season 1, Episode 2, The Stakeout. That's number 17. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. uh, number two out of my uh, top episodes we've done so far yeah. is The Baby Shower. Whoa, so, number two. One and two, The Stakeout and The Baby Shower. Wowie, season one, number one, season two is number two. Yeah, like I said earlier, as we're doing these earlier seasons more, I appreciate them more and more. You sure do. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's And it's good too yeah. because, you know, everyone, everyone goes to seasons three to seven, you know, for their episodes or three to eight and... Uh, you know, not not many people appreciate one and two too much, and uh, you really uh, you probably really opened up everyone's eyes and said, "Wow, let's let's look at one and two again and really appreciate them for what they were." Yeah, maybe. Hopefully, maybe. I think you've inspired our listeners. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. And what was number uh, three, four, and five for you? Uh, I don't actually have them on there. Oh, okay, so. okay, yep. 
fair enough that's yep. okay all good well on bidwabars.com we'll put up our uh, top 10 episodes as well for myself and steven so you'll be able to see them and it's an, always an ever-changing list depending on the episodes <laughs> and uh, yeah if we like it they're in the top 10 if not they're outside yep and uh if you have a favorite episode or if you want to talk to us about an episode that we should do uh we've done a few listener requests and we next have. week is actually well get in touch with us on social media at bidwabask uh on twitter instagram and facebook uh, send us an email, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and bidwabask is spelled B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. It's an acronym for the show's title. And we also uh, have a website, bidwabask.com. That's right. And uh, get at us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just type in Seinfeld or Bidwabask and we should come up. Uh, sus- subscribe, listen, and uh, if you'd like to review, that'd be awesome. Yes, please. We'd love any feedback, good or bad. Yep. And uh, before we go, we should mention our Seven Degrees of Separation uh, appeal campaign. Uh, Our appeal, yes, we we want money. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) Just kidding. Yes, if your name is Seven or you know someone by the name of Seven, let us know. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we're trying to collate as many as we can. We We just want to see how many there are who listen to the show or you know, people who know people named Seven who listen to the show. And if your name's Soda, that's a bonus too. Yep, we'll count you in our in our list. So far, we've got two, I believe. I think I think there are two or three. Yep, at the yeah. moment. Yep, yep, so, yeah. We We're are, aiming we for at least five, maybe ten. So uh, see how yep. you go. Preferably seven. Preferably seven. Yeah, if we if we reach seven, it's all over. I think. Yeah, maybe we should keep it on going until we get seven. <laughs> I think so. We'll see how we go. Well, this is going to be like a two month campaign. So see what happens. That's true. That's it. All right. Well, uh, that's it for another week of Bid with Ask. Thank you so much for listening. And again, get in touch with us if you want to let us know how this episode was or if you've got an idea for an episode. And uh, we'll catch you all next week, I guess. We'll catch you next week. And next week, it's we're going back to season two and we're going to talk about the pony remark. What immigrant has a pony? Love that episode. I had a pony. I had a pony. I know, it's so good. Yeah. The pony was on the yeah. boat. No, I look forward to talking about it. Me so too. Uh, until next week, I'll feed us in. I'll feed us in and bye.